0: Hello everybody, I'm Lou Dobbs, and the Great America Show is officially rolling on this beautiful day in America. Welcome to the show, delighted to have you with us. The Radical Dems are having some fun now, just like they have for the past six years. FBI investigations, special counsel investigations, two presidential impeachments, and years and years of wasted time with phony charges against President Trump, one hoax after another, And we learned one thing for sure. It doesn't matter how many times the Marxist stems lie and try to frame people, including President Trump and his National Security Advisor, General Michael Flynn. It just doesn't matter at all, so long as the FBI and the Justice Department pretend it's all real and keep straight faces whenever they're in front of cameras lying, lying to Congress, lying on TV, or wherever. And here we go again, the so-called January 6th committee, solemn proceedings, serious business, or so they say, so they pretend. So let's see what they're not saying. They're not saying why Pelosi and the gang refused President Trump's recommendation to bring in as many as 20,000 troops, the National Guard, to protect the demonstrators and to keep order on Capitol Hill. Why did she disband the social media intel group in the Capitol Police Department that monitored tweets and posts and messages on social media? A group that kept track of kooks and crazies and they would have at least been an early warning operation for the police on January 6th. Instead, she got rid of them. Why weren't the Capitol Police ready for the big demonstrations that day? Why weren't they prepared to secure the Capitol? Why? Why didn't they have police reserves ready in case there was any kind of incident? Where were the backups to the police officers around the Capitol? No one is even asking the questions, let alone getting answers from the radical Dems. I'm sure those questions won't be answered anytime soon, but they should be. And no one is insisting the Marxist Dem leaders of the Democrats answer those questions. And until we get those answers, there's nothing, nothing the Dems have to say that means a thing, certainly to me. That's my opinion. And all they're trying to do, in fact, is distract the public from the Biden disaster, the economy, runaway inflation, skyrocketing prices of gasoline, soaring interest rates and markets in turmoil. It's all the Biden economy. The Biden disasters, Afghanistan, energy prices, wide open borders, millions of illegals pouring into the country, while Vladimir Putin is seizing more Ukrainian territory without penalty. And President Xi threatens all of the Indo-Pacific region and the United States as well. While we have a commander-in-chief who is so weak, so obviously impaired, and a White House national security team that is simply inept, and woefully untalented. That's a lot to overcome. But facing an historic landslide defeat at the polls in November, these desperate Dems are trying anything and everything, including a Soviet-style show trial featuring leftist partisans and ideologues and their spurious antics and vile rhetoric. The Dems are facing what could be Armageddon for them at the polls this November. And they're hoping against hope that they can at least, at least diminish their losses. And here with us now to assess their chances, with us is leading Republican strategist and pollster, John McLaughlin. John, great to have you back with us here on The Great America Show. The headline in the Daily Mail is, Biden is twisted. His approval below Trump's lows as new poll has him below 50% in 49 states. And incredibly, that includes California and New York. He's down to 19% in West Virginia, 23% in Tennessee. You know, you've been telling us that this man has collapsed, but I have not seen numbers this
1: devastating for this president and the radical Dems. Absolutely. It's, it's been coming. We've been saying this since last year. Uh, where, for us, for the last four months, his job approval had hung at 41 percent, and his disapproval was at 57. People said, "Could it go lower?" And I was like, "Yes," because he he's cracking up in the Democratic base, and when he starts losing a quarter of the people that voted for him in in uh, uh in 2020, now disapprove of the job he's doing, and you've got you know a fifth of the Democrat Party. Is dis- disapproves. And you've got large shares of African-Americans, the majority of Hispanics. I mean, he, he's not doing the job in my life. And, and constantly, sooner or later, you hit someone in the media that will say, "Well, he's doing this, do you think his numbers will get better? And I say, yes, until you have to buy gas and food. And when right. you do either one <laughs> of those two things, you, your, his disapproval will go up. And he's not reversing any of his policies that are, are absolutely fueling inflation. He won't uh, he won't increase oil and gas production, which would instantly drop the cost of uh, a barrel of oil, which would reduce the prices at the pump, which would which would allow inflation to ease for a lot of people. And uh, he, he just won't do it. He's, John, that's he's important.
0: I'd like you to repeat uh, that equation uh, that's available to the president right now, uh, if you wouldn't mind, because everybody needs to hear
1: this. Right. All he would have to do is increase the price of oil or not price production of oil and gas that would lower the price that we pay at the pump because you'd have more supply. It's it's simple supply and demand. I mean, you know, certainly he is decreasing the value of the dollar because of inflation, but on the which is what you use to buy oil, but just increasing production to where Donald Trump had it as president would lower the price of gas dramatically. So instead of paying $117 a bar- barrel of oil, uh, it might go down to 60 or $50, like when Trump was president, right. which would cut the price of gas in half, really reduce inflation for the country. But he's an ideologue. He's captive by the the climate change, you know, woke greenies that won't let him do it because they, they, they'd rather punish the American middle class and working class uh, for some ideological purpose than actually help people. And we're seeing it in, in our polls all the time. By the way, I'm, I'm doing polls for campaigns where we ask a simple question, are you, are you, you know, has inflation impacted you? And roughly a quarter of the voters say no, but a quarter of the voters to maybe 30% in most places are telling us they are struggling to pay for basic things. And another roughly 40% are telling us that they've made significant changes, but they're not struggling, but they're cutting back on vacations. They're cutting back on purchases. The the children may have to go to a state school rather than a private school, you know, private university. I mean, so two thirds of the American public is making significant changes, but the scary part is the quarter that says they can't afford basic necessities like food, like electricity, gas, um, like uh, uh, their own, you know, rent. I mean, housing has gone up. So, uh, you know, this is this is really bad for the president and for the Democrats because the voters, as you've seen in the primaries this year, and the 13 states have primaries so far, the, the Republican turnout in the primaries is up 38%, while the Democrat turnout is not up. So yeah. people are coming in to nominate Republicans to beat these Democrats. And uh, we're seeing it. By the way, if I may, I'll talk about a survey of, that we just got back uh, yesterday, the uh, May survey of 500 small business employers that we conducted, that we, our firm conducted with Scott Rasmussen for the Job Creators Network. It's their small business uh, index. Let portion.
0: Me, we'll take that up in just a minute, but I, I want to yeah. get to something too uh, in what you're saying, which is, again, very important. The, the impact of inflation, we're hearing various polls that are, are, are quantifying. Uh, this pain for so many of our c- fellow citizens, our uh, working men and women and their families, the middle class. But the people who are not getting any, any real attention uh, by either economists or by the corporatist media are retired Americans, mm-hmm. older Americans who are living on fixed incomes, who are living uh, really uh, from, uh, you know, Uh, one paycheck to the next, uh, and trying desperately to find some way to generate income, we know that people are deferring retirement because of the impact of inflation. Many are coming out of retirement to find work because of the pressure. People are not paying a lot of attention in the corporate media, John, to the plight of these tens of millions of Americans who are retired and right now just simply cannon fodder uh, in this battle that the administration says it will wage against
1: inflation. Absolutely true. And it's affecting seniors and those who are retired on a fixed income. And most of them, a lot of them don't have savings, these working class voters, these older voters. And, you know, those with savings, they, their 401ks are now going down yeah, I mean, significantly. Okay. So the ones without savings, you know, I'm sure you got a, a an increase in your Social Security, but the prices are beyond the increases. However, it's not just seniors and those who retired on fixed incomes. It's also where where it spikes up is among younger voters. I mean, they came those that went to college are coming out of college and they're finding they're taking jobs that can't keep up with the costs that they have to deal with in terms of most of them will have to buy a car commute to work. Um, the prices are going up. A lot of them are finding that you know they're they're finding that they thought they got a good job, but their housing they can't afford the apartments. They can't afford they can't afford to buy a home let alone the house. The cost of housing is way up, and uh, um, so so you have uh, you you know you you have it on both ends of of the age groups where it's not just older voters, it's younger voters who've never dealt with inflation before. We're now finding. Uh, the cost of gas going up the cost of uh, uh the cost of basic necessities like food are going up and housing and rent and uh it's it's not what they you know were told to imagine what they were going to do with their lives so you know, it's, I, it's it's a serious problem
0: a, a very serious problem and again to reiterate uh, this is a choice by president biden this is a choice about where pain will be felt, who will be uh, feeling this pain uh, the most severely. He has decided not to boost production. He has decided not to open uh, pipelines. He has decided not to drill. He has called all of this a transition. This is a plan to devastate America, and yeah. he is succeeding. It is the only thing in which he is succeeding,
1: devastating America. Just to add on to what you're saying, he mm-hmm. not only is not expanding it, he's cut back. His first act was to kill Keystone. He's he's revoked uh, drilling in oil and gas leases in Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico. And he's killed other pipelines that were supposed to be built. And I'll tell you what, I have European clients in uh, uh, in democracies over there that are part of the EU. And he has lobbied for a ban on Russian oil and gas that will further increase the price of oil and gas to go up in the world. And at first he was telling them, don't do it till after the midterm elections because it's going to hurt them. But they just enacted that this week. Uh, and there's exemptions for certain comp- countries that have pipelines with Russia. But I, you know, the Europeans could be headed for a situation where they could be rationing uh, what they call petrol, which is what we call gas, and uh, they're going to have they're going to have big problems because uh, Joe Biden was not strong enough to deter Vladimir Putin from going into the Ukraine, into Ukraine. Period. He was also stupid enough to encourage
0: uh, Ukraine to uh, join NATO in the first year of his presidency in the run-up to February 24th. The man. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was encouraging, knowing full well that it was a red line for Vladimir
1: Putin. Yeah, it's very bad for the country. But going back to the job creator survey, now, small businesses have been the engine of economic growth and job creation for decades in the United States. So the Job Creators Network does a poll since last year of the uh, uh, 500 small business owners. They have to have at least two employees. The average is... Uh, basically 16 employees for these small businesses. And, uh, uh, we do 500 a month across the country. And, and these businesses are the survivors of the pandemic where they got through that. And it's scientifically done. Uh, it represents, uh, you know, represents those who currently are in business. And what's scary is only 25% of those, these small business owners, uh, uh, they expect to break even another 7% are losing money. They're, sa- they're saying that uh, um, 20% of them may never fully recover from the pandemic. Mm. Uh, when they asked about, would you say the United States economy is getting better, staying the same or getting worse? 56% say worse. Only 24% said better. These are people who are in business every day helping our economy. I mean, generating the American economy. Um,
0: it's the backbone of the economy. It really yeah. is
1: how would you rate the business climate and conditions for small businesses like yours in the United States today? 63% say only fair or poor. Uh, Only 37% say excellent or good. Um, And, uh, uh, you know, high inflation, high prices, when you give them a choice of two top issues, it's 41% of all the answers. And, uh, uh, you know, you have gas prices, 23%. Supply chain disruptions, 15%. uh, you know, the Biden's plan to increase taxes, they think 59% will hurt their business. When you ask them about, uh, do you think the Biden administration is doing enough to combat inflation, 73% say no. Do you think the Biden administration is doing enough to help supply chain problems, 71% say no. A supply chain problems having a negative impact on your business, 61% say no. And do you support or oppose increasing domestic oil and natural gas production? 76 to 15 they support. So they get it. They understand what has to be done. Um, and uh, uh, the Biden administration just seems to be doing the opposite. So, you know, if, if we've seen it in the voter surveys where last month when we asked, you know, if they thought the American economy was getting better or worse, uh, they told us that it was it was getting worse. 67 to 25 among all voters. So uh, uh, I think the Democrats are just doubling down on failure, headed into the November election. They
0: are, and this is one of the things I, I, I think we need to take up. as inept uh, as uh, terrible as this administration is, they can't have such pervasive, complete stupidity that there isn't someone' there saying to the president, if we't if we want to avoid, Uh, a wave election, a tsunami election uh, in which the Republicans have a landslide for both the House and the Senate. We have got to bring down prices for food, for energy, uh, for the cost of living in this country. And we've got to do it now and dramatically, even if it means you walking out there and saying you were an idiot and you've got to open up the pipelines and you've got to get the petrochemical industry in this country roaring again. That's not happening. And the only reason I can think that it's not happening is these Republicans uh, are are sort of staring at it and watching it, while the Democrats in the back rooms of the White House, and I'm going to mention Susan Rice, the head of the Domestic uh, Policy Council, are preparing something special for us once again, as they did in 2020, but this time
1: using federal money. What do you think? Um, I, I absolutely believe, I mean, what's worse is I've heard, I've heard, and you've seen stories. I've heard, uh, discussions about the Democrats are talking about putting price controls on oil and gas in the country, yeah. which would require what the EU is considering where you go back to, okay, you're going to have to set your thermostats in the summer when it's hot. You won't be able to have it, uh, air conditioning at a certain temperature in the winter when it's cold, you won't be able to have home, uh, home heating at at a temperature where you feel warm. But the worst is when they say, you know, that, you know, you'll go back to gas where you'll have to buy it on odd and even days Mm -hmm. where you, you won't be, I mean, in certain parts of Europe, they ration gas to like in Poland, they were purchasing uh, only 10 gallons of of, of gas. So they go by liters. But in fact, it was like 10 gallons of gas they could buy per visit to a gas station because Poland was being cut off by Russia. All right. And uh, um, so now you're you're thinking they might do this for the United States and they do that. You're going to see that Biden job approval go through the floor because, uh, uh, the, you know, there's no reason for this. It's It's you know, the United States is basically natural gas. I mean, in New York state they're cutting off all new natural gas hookups. I mean, they're crazy because the working people in New York who try to can't afford to rent these apartments are now going to be forced to pay higher electric rates for utilities. And uh, um, you know, and it's an, and it's an ideologically driven extremist thing where, you know, I, I, full disclosure, I work for Lee Zeldin, who's running for governor in New York against Kathy Hochul, but this is what Hochul and Democrats are talking about doing. And it's as, you know, that's why Lee Zeldin, the last general election poll we had, he was in a dead heat with Kathy Hochul, and There's been other polls that he's in a dead heat. And she's afraid of losing to him because it's not just crime. It's not just high taxes, but it's also this kind of foolishness where in Pennsylvania they can drill for oil and gas. But in the southern tier of New York, where they have plenty of it, they're not allowed to. And, uh, you know, so New Yorkers are paying a penalty
0: paying a penalty and the country is paying a a penalty at large because we have uh, Kathy Hochul's uh, in various other states as well. We have California to match New York, stupidity for stupidity after stupidity uh, and deceit after deceit. There is no way in the world that this transition that Biden is uh, articulating could come to pass without any a wrenching pain in the economy, dislocations of all sorts as they try to accelerate toward a an electrical nirvana. Without understanding, all of that electricity is being generated right now, not all of it, but most of it, through fossil fuels. Uh, and and the madness goes on and on and the left is so captured by their own delusions and their lies that they're perpetuating this uh this ignorance in, in the form of public policy it's it's going to be a disaster whether it's a disaster this year or right after the elections it will be
1: a disaster it'd be interesting to see how they blame the blackouts they're going to have this year on Trump so well, like, yeah, and we know they yeah. will try, right? But they will have in California. I, I saw a report today. It's like saw the pictures of the gas station. They're charging eight dollars a gallon for gas. Yeah, yeah. And the and middle class is leaving that state. And you know, New York City. By the way, there was a report out today in New York that in uh, New York City uh, um over three hundred thousand people left. One in three were out of Manhattan, and they've gone to the suburbs in New Jersey because they can't afford to live in Manhattan. They can't afford to live in Brooklyn and Queens, which is, you know, you know, the people that are stuck there in California, New York, these other, you know, liberal bastions, they've become the working class people. uh, And they're going to end up driving, you know, Hispanic and African-American boats to the Republicans. So, you know, that's great. It is great.
0: And it's good for the for the future of the country. Uh, but right now, uh, the country is facing one threat after another, uh, one danger after another. This this man in the White House uh, is putting the entire. It's an ex. I believe his presidency is an existential threat to the survival of the republic. It's that straightforward, uh, mm-hmm. and I can't see any way to think about it in any other terms, because of all of the the madness that he is generating the policies that are perverted, uh, and the outcomes that are completely unexpected that result from that kind of moronic policymaking. its, uh, it's uh, To me, it's disgusting. I, I want to turn to now uh, what you see, if I may, in, in the opportunity for the Republicans right now. Has it changed any, uh, and I know this is dependent, by the way, on what we earlier mentioned, and that is whether the elections are coming up with a new strategy uh, to to decide this 2022 midterm election. But all things being equal, and they never are, what what do you see? Uh, have, have things improved for the Republicans, or is it too early to quantify?
1: It? No, it's actually improved. The Democrats are def- desperate to change the subject. But but as you know, we're we're known for polling in campaigns, and we have we we have candidates that we work for. And I have candidates who are doing very well where, by the way, the generics last month when we took our national survey was 40, 48 percent Republican, 43 percent Democrat for a generic unnamed Republican for Congress versus an unnamed Democrat. Um, that's a really bad sign for them because the 8 percent that was undecided also. Three quarters thought the country is on the wrong track, and the majority disapproved of Biden and Pelosi. And so we would get five or six points out of the out of the undecideds, and all of a sudden you're at fifty-two, fifty-three percent, fifty-six, four percent of the vote nationally, which would be a landslide. Where in Congress we'd pick up forty, fifty, maybe sixty seats if the Republicans don't blow it by then. But on the other hand, it's creating these opportunities where in the individual races. Uh, like we're working for Jim Lehman, who's a businessman in Arizona, running for U.S. Senate against Mark Kelly. Now, they had a unique situation with the border down there. They are on the front, and Arizonans right. want to shut that border, and Jim Lehman's been endorsed by the Border Patrol Union um, and and Brandon Judd and law enforcement down there, and he's come out of nowhere to be leading in the Senate race over Blake Masters and the Attorney General uh, Brnovich. And uh, uh, so he's doing well, and and he can beat, you know, uh, uh, Mark Kelly there. Is uh, he America first? Maga? Oh, yes, absolutely. He funded a lot of the, uh, a lot of the election challenges uh, personally because he's a successful businessman who's who, who's been out there supporting Republicans, but he supported a a, a lot of the election cha- challenges and and uh, a, a lot of the efforts to. Uh, um, he absolutely embraces the MAGA. Uh, and President Trump has yet to endorse in that, uh, but we'll see. And um, But he's moved out of nowhere into first there. And then uh, I mentioned Lee Zeldin. I worked for him in New York. He's, if he's running dead even Kathy Hochul and he's ahead in the primary, he's got 41% of the vote as of last Wednesday versus Andrew Giuliani at 18, Rob Astorino at 17, Harry Wilson at 13. And the primary is uh, uh, the end of June and. Lee's been endorsed by the Republican and conservative parties, and you need the conservative party to win in New York. Um, How good are his chances?
0: How good are his chances? Because he's he's a he's a good man. Uh, Mm He served in Congress. He's uh, he's a uh, a veteran. Uh, Yes, he's an Iraq veteran, and
1: and he's. very principled. He's got very good chances because if you combine the Republican Conservative Party and also they filed for an independence party, he has a very good shot against Kathy Hochul because she's been catering to the the radical left and the socialists in her party the aoc says she's got a primary she's worried that she could lose to javani williams Mm -hmm. so she has refused to repeal cashless bail she's refused to fire alvin bragg the da in manhattan who doesn't enforce the law um and and she's she's basically enacting all these radical policies she's gone left i mean she's gone left when she was a congresswoman, she had an A rating from the NRA, and today she, you know, she wants to ban guns for legal gun owners in New York, but she doesn't want to take the guns out of the criminals' hands and put them in jail. I mean, there's no penalties for like com- committing a crime, and uh, it's sad. But in that tragic Buffalo shooting, the uh, the uh, the shooter had threatened to shoot up a, his school where he lived, and nobody put this guy away i mean he should he needed mental health help and nobody took care of it and she's not looking into that so uh you know uh, they want they want
0: to take guns they don't want to they don't want to deal with the real issue here and the real issue folks is mental illness and how we're dealing with it our public schools are a joke when it comes to security and that has to be fixed that's on the school districts it's on the public schools themselves there is no excuse to send $50 billion to Ukraine and not spend money to harden security at every school in the country. It is just that simple and we should be spending a significant amount of money on our young people who for whatever reason, this young man in, uh, in Texas, he had two parents who were convicted felons. His grandfather was a convicted felon. The, he had a history of mental illness uh, and the school did nothing. The teachers did nothing. His family did nothing. It's outrageous, and we've got to do better than that for young people and for our society.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. But because of that, you've got situations. You know, uh, you've got situations where the Republicans. I'm working for uh, Bob Stefanowski in Connecticut for governor against Lamont. Mm-hmm. He's in a dead heat. They're in a dead heat for governor according to our, our, our internal polls. Wow. And, uh, uh, you know, if all of a sudden you start winning races in New York and Connecticut, um, you're going to have this red wave across the country where, um, you know, it's, it's for the Democrats, like, I don't work for him, but Adam Laxalt's ahead in Nevada in polls I've seen. Maggie Hassan in, in New Hampshire, the senator up there, she's under 50 and you know, the primary's not until later, but she could lose. And then you've got um Herschel Walker won his primary decisively against Ralph Warnock in uh, what was it? against 60, Ralph Warnock. What was it, sixty five percent or something? Yes, yeah, was- he got even more And with the Republican primary. Now he'll face Ralph Warnock, who's really radical in Georgia. And uh, you know, if Herschel Walker gets, you know, he'll get over 70 percent of the of the white vote but then when he takes 15 20 percent of the african-american vote he'll he'll win decisively and and he's you know he he's doing very well because it's you know they're trying to say oh he needs to bone up on this and all that kind of stuff no there's a big difference between voting warnock may know the ins and outs of government but Herschel walker is going to vote right (laughs) and warnock votes wrong so uh
0: and by the way i don't believe for a moment that warnock knows anything about government uh he's not exactly an executive he's he's a he's a marxist when you get right to it and uh if that suits the people of georgia that's their choice but i'll tell you it's all it's a choice
1: uh I, i mean it sickens me yeah but i think you're seeing a rebellion in the heartland where it's 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 coming it's coming it's showing its signs in the. In the republican primaries were all of a sudden you know particularly in the open ones when you in georgia we work for the uh the republican majority in the house they changed the election law last year finally but they changed it uh when the governor you know it would, the governor wouldn't call special session but when they went back into regular session you know you still have no excuse absentees you still have uh uh early voting in the state Lord no Lord. one was denied their civil rights but you also have secure drop boxes that that are being watched, and you can't have ballot harvesting anymore. And everybody, when they vote, whether it's absentee or in person, you need to have voter ID. So what do you have down there? You have record turnouts, and the Republicans winning. And Herschel Walker won big, and uh, uh, the turnout was up significantly over uh, you know four years ago. So you're seeing this around the country where. Independents are coming into Republican primaries where they can to support Republican candidates. You're seeing registered Republicans come out at record levels. And the Democrats, there's no excitement there. And they're going left. I mean, Connor Lamb, who was a moderate in Pennsylvania uh, for Senate, got crushed 2-1 to by Fetterman, who's a socialist. So the Democrats are doubling down on their socialist left wing. And like I mentioned, Kathy Ockel, when she was in Congress, she had an A rating for the NRA. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, she, she can't run faster. I think. Uh,
0: I think the word that President Obama used uh, talking to Medvedev, the then President of uh, of uh, Russia, uh, was he can be more flexible after the election. Um, I, I love that flexibility in, in politicians,
1: don't you? I, yeah, I but just, they don't they don't course, mean it.
0: Warnock, well, of course, they don't mean it.
1: <laughs> Mark Kelly, Mark Kelly will be for an open border. I mean, Warnock's for an open border. I mean I mean New York City they want to have 800,000 non-citizens vote. How does Mark I mean, Kelly get elected in a border state? How? He, he he's by the way he's trying to say that they shouldn't back up on title 42 which is like the covid protection. Yeah. But he, he can't. He can't run away from that issue. And cuz you got crime, you got you got drugs coming in, you got people being threatened. I mean it's just it's it's a I mean, it's a security issue for the United States and, and he's failed. And, uh, you know, so you got somebody like Jim Lehman who, you know, was airborne army airborne in the, in the eighties where he defended the country. And that, you know, since then he's, he totally sides with the, uh, border patrol and to, and he wants that border closed the wall built and he wants, uh, he wants us to be secure again. And, and I
0: anybody just, who does not want our borders secure and our people safe, uh, and drugs stopped, and sex trafficking ended, human smuggling ended. You know they're not Americans; they're damn fools, and uh, we don't need to, we don't need that view. We've got it yeah. permeating every part of the White House, the and Congress and the Senate. This is sickening yeah. for me to watch, yeah. and for every American who cares about this country, it yeah. is just sickening. I want to ask you, Mike Lindell. We we're talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to get. Uh, these elections secure Mike Lindell, who's working hard, as you know, to get rid of electronic voting to to replace uh, what we're doing with paper ballots. And by the way, he's got some great reasoning in it. And I think uh, I think what he's saying is right. Um, and I think we should have people right now working to get to where he's where he's speaking. Uh, but in Alabama and Georgia, he says he has proof that the. The Democrats use the same tactics again in the primaries there uh, and cheated. it. Uh, and
1: what do you think? Well, I think in, in Georgia, they uh, I, I, I'd i be surprised in Georgia because nobody was complaining, you know, about their civil rights being denied and you had a record turnout and it was and it was heavily on the Republican side. The only one who was complaining was Stacey Abrams said, you know, you know, Georgia was a bad place to live, but she has multiple homes there now. So she's getting ready to run for governor again. But, um, but as far as, as far as the last election, absolutely. Those, those, you had over 300,000, uh, Dropbox votes that were cast that you had no chain of custody records for that Mark Zuckerberg provided the grants and paid for the, you know, paid for them to be delivered. I mean,
0: What's to stop Mark Zuckerberg from doing it all over again? Oh, by the
1: way, they are—they are moving to other nonprofits and away from the ones he used last time. And Mark Elias is is outlining it. And the Republicans were asleep at the switch. Like, fortunately, certain Republicans like Ken Paxton, who who won his runoff in Texas, he defended the law as the Attorney General. The laws in Texas for for honest voting. North Carolina—they fought the changes, and and president Trump won that Texas president Trump won Florida. They have, you know, ballot watchers on the drop boxes and they monitor, everybody can track their vote because they were embarrassed in 2000 and they fixed the laws and they improved the laws so that you have ballot integrity. Even in New York state, the conservative party, we won. I was working for them. We won uh, three ballot propositions in November in a two to one election turnout for the Democrats where they still had their 50% statewide. You had over 3 million votes. It was the same day as the mayor's race in New York city. And guess what New Yorkers voted for? They voted against the redistricting commission, uh, that was going to be partisan with the Democrats in prop One, fifty-six to 44. We won. They were going to count illegals in, uh, counting the and just you know deciding the new districts proposition three was same day voter registration in a state that does not allow their inspectors to ask for voter id we won that 58 to 42 and in a state in a state that what uh they don't new york does not allow the election inspectors to ask for voter identification all they do is verify your signature The little old ladies are very nice people, nice gentlemen. They they work the election polls, and all they have, all you have to do is sign, and they look at it and say, "Oh, I guess it's you." That's very sweet, (laughs) and it's like, but the Democrats wanted same day voter registration. The last time you had stuff like that, you had or even they never had it legal, but you, we've had felons go around and registered. It's like 200 felons registered thousands of times in the Bronx during a primary. Well, the
0: Marxist <laughs> Dem leadership of the Democratic Party,
1: they're driving they, it. Yeah, and they wanted same-day absentee ballots. <laughs> uh, not say not same-day absentee. No-excuse absentees. Right. So you could go to a portal, apply for a ballot, so they could do ballot harvesting. And the voters in New York voted that down. 56 to 44 because of the conservative party stood up to them, which allowed us to win the redistricting case this year that the Republicans and the conservative party sought, And instead of being cut from 27, you know, eight Republicans to four out of the 27. Now we only got 26. We lost the seat because we lose population there's 12 competitive congressional races in new york more so than any state plus they had to redraw the state senate lines because of democrat partisan gerrymandering so if republicans fight we win but you know the democrats laid out david plough who was obama's campaign manager laid this out in 2020 yet he had a book that he published in march before the pandemic where he says the citizen's guide to defeat donald trump they were going to register more hillary clinton type of voters in a handful of counties that decided the swing states, and then they were going to make it easier for people to vote, which they did on this drop boxes and ballot harvesting. Well, if people don't have the sense to get
0: rid of drop boxes and and just clean this thing up. By the way, it's not going to happen because of anything the Republican Party does. I will say it again. Ronald McDaniel and the NRC are useless. Uh, They're not even very good fundraisers, truth be told. (laughs) Uh, But they sure as hell don't know anything about politics and can't play at a level, uh, anything approaching the level that the Democrats, uh, the Democratic National Committee uh, and their and their law firms play at. Do you
1: disagree? I don't. I I have. Unfortunately, I have to agree because uh, a lot of the conservative uh, nonprofits have had to go into this space because, I mean, there's two complaints should have been filed by the RNC. One is they should have filed a complaint against Mark Zuckerberg for the $400 million he spent with the IRS. It was tax-exempt money. He didn't right. pay taxes on that money. He had a C3 nonprofit. He got a tax deduction for that money to undermine President Trump. Sure. And nobody's filed a complaint with the R- IRS that that was partisan money and basically it was, it was funding a partisan effort. It should not be tax-exempt. Second thing was there should have been an FEC complaint because uh, uh, what they did was, was highly partisan and it should have been counted towards whatever Biden was doing, et cetera. And, and they proved it in Wisconsin. They proved it in Georgia. I mean, the drop boxes are all in Democrat areas that they had. And they're coming back and they're trying to do it again. In Georgia, because they now have secure drop boxes in a government building that, that are being watched, That so you can only put in one ballot, not hundreds of ballots by the same people. Um, in Georgia, the, the Democrats are suing to get the drop boxes out of the government offices because they say it's hard for handicapped people to get to the drop box. Sure. I mean, all these government buildings are mandated to have handicap access. access.
0: Yep. So it's like. Okay. it's And the list, I mean, it just goes on and on. Uh, and it's one thing to vote Republican. It may be another thing to have the strength to be a Republican with this kind of leadership and the RNC, I, you know, I think Ronna McDaniel is an extremely nice person. I think she's a rhino. I think she's indifferent. And I think she isn't enough of a fighter to amount to much. And it's time for real leadership. And this president made a huge mistake when he permitted her to stay as the chair of the RNC. And he will chew me good for that. Uh, but uh, You know what? So be it. I mean, that's the truth. And that's a fact. And the country depends on getting rid of these rhinos i mean the republican party can't stomach much more of this
1: nonsense we just have to we just have to fight harder i mean this is like those of us i grew up in new york and it's like if you tell me the democrats don't cheat in elections i'm like you gotta be kidding me it's like so so it's one of those things where it's one of those things where my 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 friend pat Cadell, the light gray pollster uh, who worked for President Trump and also years ago worked for Jimmy Carter, he had a saying. He said, the uh, the Democrats are the crooked party and the Republicans are the stupid party. <laughs> and we need yep. to, end, we need to stop it, stupid right now. I, I want to just
0: close with a very, uh, I, I just a, a really bright note, if I may. Uh, you may not have heard this, but President Biden has acknowledged some responsibility in the White House uh, for runaway inflation and for the mistakes that have been made. and uh, he's very upset of course about being corrected all the time. But uh, you'll be pleased to know that the president is actually now blaming his staff <laughs> for high inflation. 40 year high inflation, he's now landed on his own <laughs> his own staff in the White House. And by the way, you know he's right. He, he could be more right by starting with the very top, though, at the White House. But he, he for some reason, gave himself a bit of a pass. But I thought you would be uh, mightily encouraged, as with our audience, to learn that Biden finally taking some form of responsibility for runaway hyperinflation. You get the last word here, John
1: McLaughlin, as usual. Well, the untold story is that they don't balance the budget anymore. And in his first year in office... He raised the national debt from $21 trillion to $30 trillion. And so every American has to now pay more of that in taxes over, over the time. And the budget he put in over time raises our national debt to $45 trillion. This money doesn't exist. So the dollar is going to continue to sink. Our standard of living is going to continue to sink. And the dollar may not be the, the international currency because of Joe Biden, because China or cryptocurrency or the Russian ruble may be more. I mean, the damage he is doing, putting every listener on this on this podcast and every American on the hook for this increased national debt is ridiculous, and until he stops that and goes back to a balanced budget, which he can't because they're spending too much. Yeah, that's that's uh, not in the cards. It, it's not going to end, and it, if we, and the only way we're going to change it is to is to vote them out in December or November. Pardon me, November in November, and then in December, we've got to start coming up with the plans to restore fiscal discipline and yeah. basically protect. American standard of living in the dollar. You know, there's only one leader who could do that, too.
0: Boy, number 47 has a ring to it, doesn't it?
1: It certainly does. And uh, the buyer's remorse is growing. But
0: anyway, I do want to thank you, John McLaughlin, for being with us. Appreciate it, as always, a fascinating talk. Thanks so much, John. God bless you. Appreciate it. Lou, thank you. And thanks thanks for getting the truth out. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. Tomorrow, our guest will be the Dean of Political Strategists in this country, Republican strategist Ed Rollins, among his legendary accomplishments, leading the 1984 Ronald Reagan presidential campaign to an overwhelming landslide victory, winning 49 of 50 states in that election. That's one of the reasons we call Ed the savant of presidential politics. Here tomorrow, Hope you'll be with us. Until then, God bless you, and God bless America.